Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You are very welcome to episode 32 of the Scaling Your Business podcast. Today, I have Ahmed Muazzam, the CEO of Evoco. And you're very welcome to the podcast. Hi, Riyad. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah, chuffed to have you. Look, we've got an international audience, primarily in Ireland. But for those who are international, uh, you grew up in Dublin. For our Irish audience, or let's say Dublin audience, you went, you grew up in Radfarnham and then moved to the north side, uh, kind of Cl- uh, Clonsell, Castle Knock area. Have you got any favorite memories of growing up in either of those areas? So just a, maybe a quick correction there, just uh, sure. actually a Northsider uh, in and out. I, the first place we lived in uh, was Rockfarnham, but we lived there till I was about four. But um, okay. for all intents and purposes, I grew up in Blanchardstown and Clonsilla, so I uh, just wouldn't leave any of my brethren hanging there. But uh, yeah, just yeah, uh, I like great, it. <laughs> great, pla- great place to grow up, particularly when we moved to Clonsilla when I was about nine. We lived in in an estate that was that's just a lot of greenery. So just spent all my time stick wars, playing manhunt, playing football on the greens. Yeah, they'd be the fondest childhood memories. Nice. You're not too far from me. If you're a kind of Blanche area, I'm uh, in Ratoth, so it's about twelve minutes down the road. Oh, fantastic! Nice. Um, so biggest impact growing up. Did you have any influences on? Let me rephrase the question. Who were your major influences as a child when you were growing up? Major influences, I suppose, probably a bit of a cliche, but probably my parents, I think in a lot of ways for myself, particularly I was born in Nigeria. Both my parents are Nigerian, moved to Ireland when I was a year old. We're a Muslim family as well. So I think a lot of my influence probably came from having that kind of uh, a lot of different cultures hitting me from different angles. So had the Irish culture, had the Muslim culture, had the Nigerian culture as well. So I think there was a lot of kind of influence from my parents that just kind of don't distance your way from any of those different cultures. Try to understand all of them and, try and pick what path was right for you. And I think from an early childhood as well, particularly with my parents, there was a lot of instilling into us, like respecting older cultures, but also trying to get to a point of understanding where you would try to help things, uh, help bring, bring about some kind of positive impact as well. So I think particularly for anyone who has kind of immigrant parents as well, there's a lot of thinking about what's going on at home and um, how you can improve that situation as well. So I think from a very young age, uh, kind of social impact was instilled in me from the beginning. I like it. You mentioned your roots. Something that, uh, a fact that I've had in my head almost my whole life was my granddad worked for Diageo Guinness. He set up different factories abroad. He told me that Ireland is not the largest consumer of Guinness. It's actually Nigerians consume more Guinness than any other country in the entire world. Is that true? Or as far as I know, that is that is true. I think the biggest factory for Guinness is actually in Nigeria. Yeah. I'm not sure wow. if that's changed since the last time I heard that, but uh, it's funny because I, I think I was reading one article as well, and they were saying that um, if you go to certain parts of rural Nigeria as well, you might get a few people who think Guinness is a Nigerian brand, uh-huh. but, uh, which is quite funny as well. But I'm happy because I do enjoy the black stuff myself. So yeah, good to have it in both uh, in both places. <laughs> Certainly fond of it myself too. I'll probably have some this evening because it's a Friday as we're recording this. Look, you're the CEO of Evoco. Have you got any entrepreneurial roots in your family or 
are you the first person to set up a business? My parents, my immediate family, I would be uh, the kind of first person to set up a business. I know definitely probably a lot of that kind of some of that, those entrepreneurial traits probably come from, say, my, my father. He's he's a surgeon, and um, but he's all, he's always looking at uh, kind of different investments and different things that he can do for himself to improve his own situation, improve our own, our family situation as well. So I think there's some traits that I would have probably gotten from him from our extended family themselves. I think everyone kind of went down the professional careers route. I know my great granddad on my dad's side was quite entrepreneurial himself. So he started off his journey as a journalist first, and then and then he did a lot of kind of stuff in real estate and things like that. I think there's hints of it in the family itself, but I think there's a lot of, but most people went down the professional career path, but I think there's a lot of traits, particularly, I think it's quite, you get a lot of that kind of the courage and stuff, particularly from people who are willing to move from their home country and go into a new country. Although not maybe directly uh, kind of traditional entrepreneurship, but I suppose some of the traits were there. Shout out to both your parents and your grandparents as well. What's your own personal favorite aspect of being an entrepreneur? I suppose favorite aspect there's there's probably a few there's obviously there's all the normal stuff of having say the flexibility and kind of working on things that you're passionate about and the things of that but I think for me it's being able to work on something uh, meaningful something that means a lot to me being able to see something from the beginning from the ground up and being able to shape it and morph it yourself and then trying to get it to a point that it's actually having a lot of impact itself Obviously, we're still early on our own journey, but I think building something from the ground up is something I'm really interested in. Nice. I do want to get into Avaku, but I've got a couple more questions. You played rugby. I'm guessing for Castlenock. You can correct me if I'm wrong in a second. What's one other thing that you're into that not a lot of people know about? Ooh, not a lot of people know about. I think this is obviously love playing sport growing up. Loved. Have you got a favorite rugby player? Favorite rugby player for myself, growing up playing rugby. I think um, I started off playing centre, playing on the wing, and then I played a little bit of centre. And then I think the big thing, big switch for me was when I went to see Ireland playing New Zealand in, I think it was 2007 or 2008, and I saw Richie McCaw play uh, in Croke Park. And uh, from then on, I just wanted to be a flanker, and that's where I ended up playing. So uh, that was a big thing for me. So then I just played flanker back row for the rest of my rugby career then. But, and then if it's weird, maybe ran, random things that people don't maybe know about me, I'm a big fan of a really cheesy sitcom. Any kind of cheesy sitcom you can put in front of me, I'll sit down and let it go on in the background, and I love that. And, and also another one, which I say a few of the lads will remember, is that uh, before like a game, I do the kind of music I'd listen to for pump-up music would generally be around the divas of this world so uh, diana ross's and uh people like that oh, so nice. i find that kind of music pumps me up which is really random but uh not a lot of people know that have you got good dance moves ah jesus my girlfriend would say no but um i like to think um, i'm not too bad on the dance floor nice um with all guests i do a fair bit of research on them and something that i feel like we went to college around the same time i started college 2011 finished 2015 i'd say you're in or around that time as well so something that i always became familiar with was jailbreak you won it 2015 that's insane can you tell people who might not know what uh, jailbreak is what the whole concept is yeah so i suppose uh jesus it's been a while since i've talked about jailbreak but uh yeah, so we won it back in 2015. So at that time, again, my co-founder in Avaku, Hugh, uh, was one of my close friends in college. And uh, we decided to do jailbreak together. 
And uh, this is long before we even thought about anything like Avoco. And, um, and I suppose Jailbreak, it's, it's the largest uh, student-run charity event in Ireland. And what it's about is you get a, there's the rules change for every year, but for the year that we did, there's a mystery destination somewhere in Europe and you get clues every couple of hours that you have to get to. But uh, the kind of uh, catch was you had to do it without spending any of your own money, just trying to blag your way across the continent, um, get donations from people. And you could also, and also then you're raising money for charity and you're also raising awareness as well. So we were doing it for the St. Vincent de Paul Society, which was, which was fantastic. And our, our mystery location was Lake Bled in Slovenia. Surprisingly, up until I'd say the week before, I didn't even know uh, Lake Bled was a thing, didn't even know it existed. And it was funny because uh, one of our close friends, Harry Crowley and Sarah Fanley, they were doing it at the same time and they ended up coming 10th. But we were sitting down in the couches in college and we were just chatting about where we thought the mystery location would be. And Harry was like, I guarantee it's going to be Lake Bled. It's going to be somewhere random that people go interrailing or whatever. And, uh, that was the first time I heard of Lake Bled. And I think it was there was one point where we knew it was in the Balkans and we'd flown into... And the, Quick, the quickest way we could get into Balkans was to fly into Ljubljana in Slovenia. So we landed in Slovenia and we were, we literally have uh, no cash left from any of the bits that we'd raised in Dublin. And the closest place to us here is Led, so we're just going to gamble and just go for it and see if that's the location. And we ended up winning it, which was uh, which was hilarious. It's it's a beautiful spot. I've been once, your reference interrailing, that was the reason that brought me to Bled. Tented to swim out to the small island, but I didn't want to upset it. For those who are not familiar with Evoco, that's the reason you're on the podcast. Can you tell those people who are listening a little bit about it? Yeah, so I suppose our mission in Evoco is to empower people to eat within planetary boundaries. And the way we do that is we have a mobile app that allows you to track, improve and offset your food emissions. So it's really easy. You just take a photograph of your food shopping receipt. We give you a score based on how nutritious and climate-friendly your purchases are, give you personalized tips on how you can improve the next time you shop, and then you can make your purchases carbon neutral by offsetting directly through the app as well. And we plant native woodland here in Ireland. Yeah, it's it's. I downloaded the app this morning to test. Incredibly easy to get started, to get set up. I haven't got a receipt because I haven't shopped since, but I'm going to test it this evening when I go for my lo- uh, weekly shop in Little. So I'm personally excited to, to use it. One of the things you said in a previous interview was, this was back 2019, was around getting users on board was important to you to ramp up the number of users are using the app. How are you doing in terms of people using it? Because you've got a lot of media coverage. Watch the clip on CNN, Ireland AM. Talk to me about people using the app. Yeah. So we've throughout kind of 2021 this year, the app officially went live at the end of 2020. Started doing a bit of marketing around it in kind of 2021. And uh, we've been seeing kind of week on week, we've been seeing double digit growth when it comes to actual downloads of the app itself. So it's been growing really quickly. And I think for us, the big, the most important thing uh, to contextualize all of this is that when we started the app, it's all, it was all about helping people reduce their climate impact. And it's all about helping facilitate behavior change. So I think for us, we're, we're onboarding, pushing our marketing in, in kind of stages with consumers because we want to, every time we get a new uh, kind of bunch of consumers onto the app, we're trying to figure out how we can engage them better, how we can improve that behavior change, how we're actually making that impact. Because the biggest things with a lot of these types of apps is that you don't want it to just be a gimmick. You don't want it to just be a conversation people are having just because they've seen something on the news and they forget about it in a couple of weeks time. So we're trying to get to the core of it to really understand how can we 
change that person's behavior and make it part of their lifestyle. And then we kick on then again and go to another stage and try and increase growth as well. So it's great to see that we're getting a lot of these downloads, a lot of people really interested and it's growing quickly. But we try not to get too carried away with any of the vanity figures and try to focus um, down on who's actually using it on a weekly basis and looking at that kind of engagement. Kudos to you. I, hats off. Starting a business is not easy. I went for a coffee this morning with a friend and I was speaking to him about you because you're my only guest today on the podcast. And he said, that's genius. And he saw a cool marketing thing of when people get a good score, he figured that would encourage them to share it. You mentioned vanity metrics or to say, hey, look, I'm a really good person, blah, 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 blah. Now, that's not your objective to get lots of people to share it. But It got me thinking about how you grow the app and market the app. And for me, every single day, I've got a cookbook in front of me, not like a recipe book to to make a dish, but it's essentially what are the minimum daily behaviors that I need to do every single day to make sure I keep my pipeline healthy so that revenue continues to come in the door. Same question for you. What are the things that you do so that more people become aware of the, the app and your business? Yeah. So that, that's a great point with the kind of sharing uh, your score. So we actually did a campaign back in February where we were tr- uh, getting people to actually share their vocal score online and kind of sh- sharing their personalized tips. And that actually drove a lot of users to the app itself because people can uh, straight away see the value that they're getting from the app, which is this is where I'm at when it comes to my climate impact and this is how I can improve it. And I think for us, there's key things around what we're trying, how we can get more people onto the platform. So One is on that kind of inbuilt virality. So finding those key kind of virtue signaling points within the app where consumers want to share it with their friends and their friends will get jealous and want to join us itself. There's also the whole concept around community goals and a collaborative effort. So um, trying to get people. So say if we had like a defined goal for, say, Dublin. So I'm saying we want to get everybody in Dublin down to, say, a certain, say, uh, climate impact for the year and um, showing how your personal choices are making a are making a difference for how people can actually reach that kind of target. So trying to get that whole community vibe going together, because I think for an app like this, you want to have healthy competition between people, maybe more on a regional and community basis works better rather than having people competing directly, say, with a friend of theirs. And then I think the other thing is really one area that we're exploring as well is looking at that, how users interact with each other within the app as well. So say for an app like Strava, a lot of its success has been from um, not just obviously all the progress tracking and all the quality and metrics that it has in there, but it's also the fact that it actually is a community of athletes and kind of fitness enthusiasts who are actually communicating, sharing that information with each other and seeing how they're doing. So we're trying to see what is that equivalent in food sustainability for Avoco as well. Really, it'll be the kind of where people can share to show people um, how they're doing, community goals, and how the community interacts with each other. It's an amazing concept. An idea hit my head when you were talking. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of Tidy Towns, Bronze, Silver, Gold Awards, and you mentioned the community aspect as the second of those three things you spoke about. This idea might be crazy, but setting up an annual award for in each county the gold award for the most friendly in terms of food shopping rathfarnham this year i got the gold award for being the most friendly clonsilla got the silver award and got the bronze award so that kind of 
makes people from that community incredibly proud that they're part of a community that's doing something for the future or then an award for, because I know an aspect of the app is planting trees, an award for this county planted the most trees this year and creating healthy competition. Just an idea, as I said, it came to me when you were talking. Yeah, I'm no, sure I you love that idea. No, I do, I do, I do like that idea. Getting, get, having that healthy competition between the counties, you could even go the whole north side, south side thing in Dublin as well. There's so much, there's so much scope for promoting something like that. So yeah, it's definitely something we'll keep in mind. Tips for people wanting to make better choices. Have you got any? Because when you download the app, it gives you a score. And I know uh, from watching the Ireland AM clip, meat, because of having to be flowing into the country or the amount of water it takes, there's better choices available. So can you share some tips for people who, yeah, just share tips for people to, to, to make better choices? Yeah. So definitely the big, the single biggest choice uh, decision you can make when you're shopping is to buy more plant-based products. So really, that's really where a lot of the impact is all the animal-based products. So predominantly kind of meat, and then also dairy as well and things like that uh, will drive your score up. But then once you're buying plant-based as well, then it's, there's a few rules of thumb, like trying to buy seasonal, buying things that are organic, uh, things like that, that can help improve. And going back to plant-based stuff, I think a lot of what we've heard from our own users and then also say for myself, my own journey, because as you can imagine, play, uh, playing rugby, all, all I've been taught since I was about 12 was pasta and chicken. Just like milling it in, trying to bulk up for the sport and stuff. And not really understanding there is a way to do a plant-based as well and to find a balance with it. But I think a lot of it is changing your mindset around how, how you're cooking and what you're cooking as well and how you view meat as well. So say for our family at uh, this year, we started doing uh, meat-free Sundays. So a different kind of family member in the house would then cook something new. You might have seen some of them kind of pop up on our Instagram page every now and yeah. again. But Shout was, out to your Instagram page. Definitely worth following for tips. Cheers. Thank you. But it's it's also it was also a way uh, my mum took a break off cooking on a Sunday. Also, it was a way for us to try different things that, say, our family wouldn't traditionally cook. But then for myself personally, I've tried to go on to five days a week where I wouldn't eat meat. And then, say, two days a week where I would eat meat. And, and that's worked for me. And it kind of was changed my mindset from... Rather than doing thinking about it as having meat-free days, thinking about having meat days. So instead of saying like my default is I eat meat and I'm going to pick two or three days that I don't eat meat, I decided my default is I'm going to be plant-based and I'm going to be vegetarian during the week and then I'm going to treat myself and might have a little bit of meat on the weekends as well. And it's also changing how you look at uh, the composition of your plate as well rather than having kind of your meat and your two veg and a few spuds kind of thing but more looking at how can I get different flavors and different things onto the plate where the meat is in the centerpiece. It could be an addition, but it's not the centerpiece. And that kind of helps even on the meat days, reducing the consumption of it on those specific days. And for me, it, it really helped because a lot of kind of types of cuisines that I uh, actually tend to be very vegetarian or vegan based. So a lot of kind of Indian and uh, Middle Eastern food and stuff, it's not really hard to find really delicious food that doesn't have meat in it. And it's just thinking a little bit outside the box and kind of finding recipes and styles of cooking that actually suit you. Listening to your talk, or listening to you talk, you're incredibly passionate. What what continues to drive you? I suppose um, one is I definitely feel a sense of I definitely feel a sense of responsibility and a sense of kind of desire that I want to make an impact on this world. And for 
for me, definitely, it's I've been lucky that um, I've had so many doors open for myself, and that um, and it's really important that that I I contrib- I contribute something back to this world, and that's something that has always been instilled in me from definitely a young age. And I think then the climate crisis was something that I saw as the greatest challenge of our time. So that's where I want to dedicate uh, myself to. And then particularly the kind of food issue, there was two kind of driving factors for that. One, as you can probably hear, I'm just really passionate about food, cooking myself, eating it, anything to do with food. I actually just really enjoy it. But I never thought I'd end up in the kind of food industry kind of side of things. But then two as well, there was this sense when we started really exploring Avaco back in kind of 2017, where like I would have thought that I was someone who was quite conscious when it came to sustainability and stuff. And when I started discovering more about the food industry and how much of a big impact that had, it was very demoralizing at that point to realize, even, although I thought that I was doing, I was doing kind of my bit and doing well, I was so far from it. I was like, I was eating so much meat. I was like, like it was just, you were, you do taking all the low hanging fruit and the stuff that you can see, but you weren't challenging yourself enough. And it took a while really to get to this point where I'm starting to get a nice balance and I could even do better from here because, you know, Hugh pretty much went vegetarian overnight. I know people who went vegan over kind of a couple of months and things like that, but um, like I could do better. But um, I think it's always about also finding kind of the balance for yourself and what works for you as well. And and um, yeah, and just being conscious of us. Respect, big respect. You've, you obviously continue to learn and challenge yourself do you have any mentors, books, podcasts that you listen to or read? Yeah, I suppose with probably everybody of uh, our age and demographic in, in Dublin probably listens to his David McWilliams podcast. Yes. So uh, he would be one that I would listen to a lot. He, that's probably the only podcast that I've kind of consistently stayed listening to. I've started recently getting into audiobooks. And I've, uh, the last one I listened to was Donut Economics by uh, Kate Rayworth. So um, really interesting. And it's all about concepts about how can we get society to thrive, uh, but within planetary boundaries? So a uh, really interesting way to look at econ- um, economics and how we kind of view how we build up um, society as well. That's definitely one that I would recommend to people. And I'm currently listening to now Angrynomics, which is uh, really interesting as well. So again, it's on economics, but it's taking the view of the everyday person and what we're, what's being told on the news and what you're seeing kind of government and policy talking about. A lot of times it's just not the reality of how people are actually what you on your day-to-day living your life kind of thing so it's interesting there's a there's definitely a, a, a thread there because the three podcasts you talk about mick williams and the other two are all economic based podcasts yet you studied engineering what why did you decide to study engineering when it seems to me like you've got a real interest in economics so i think from a young age i was i was definitely one of those weird kids who actually knew I, I knew from very early on that I want to be an engineer, but two, that I want to run my own business. I never really, and for myself, running your running your own business, you need to have a good understanding of business and kind of how things worked. And I felt like economics gave, gives you that. And as well, when you're looking at things on a systems level, really economics has been so dominant. And I suppose how policies are made and how countries are run as well, that I think everyone should have a basic knowledge of it and then also be able to challenge it and question it and not just take what, e- uh, what economists just say for granted as well. So it's something that I've been personally interested in and did a lot of reading on it in my own time. And then also whenever the opportunity arose uh, during college, I took modules on it as well. Just uh, I feel it'll definitely, for the kind of goals of the type of impact I want to make on a global scale, 
without having a good foundation um, of economics and understanding it and knowing how I can challenge it as well, I won't be able to achieve those goals. I love your thinking on that, and I agree. I think everyone should listen to and, and be open to listen to the likes of Dave McWilliams to not just hear directly from the government. There's another podcast, Shedder, because I listened to Dave McWilliams. Actually, I'm looking forward to live events coming back because originally what got me hooked on McWilliams was I got a my friend gave me a ticket to go see him, Malcolm Gladwell. And I was a Malcolm Gladwell fan. And I was more interested in seeing Malcolm Gladwell and was annoyed by, who's this David McWilliams guy on the <laughs> yeah. stage with him? And then from that, I started listening. Uh, the podcast is called Pivot, which is Scott Galloway. Okay. I'm a big fan of uh, Scott and he does a, a weekly podcast. He's based in America, but it's very economic as well. Yeah. Coming towards the end of the podcast, typical question that I ask people is, I don't know if you've got a partner or your parents live with you or if you've got any animals, but... If any of those are true, just pretend they're all safe. If your house was burning down and you could only save one item, what item would that be? House was burning down, I could save one item. I'd save my bonsai tree, Samira. That's your name I like to name. I name anything. I name it everything and anything. And um, I got it this year for my birthday um, from my um, siblings. And I like the idea that I'm growing like a miniature kind of tree myself. And I think it'd give me, if everything was burning down, everybody was safe. I was starting again. I think that would give me hope to see that uh, something that I could nurture and take care of. Is this, because I've never heard of that term before or that name, is this the picture of you with a recipe book and a tree in one hand on Instagram? Is that, have I got that oh, right? Oh yeah, it is, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll put a link to anyone who wants to check the picture out so they can oh, understand <laughs> what it is. Um, I want you to imagine it's near the end of the decade, so it's 2030, and you're yeah. looking back on the last nine ten years what would you like to look back on and say that you've achieved yeah so 2030 i one big goal that we have at avaco is helping reduce food system emissions by 300 million tons so that's about two percent of food system emissions globally and that's a big goal if we could achieve that i would say that would be a massive uh, success of uh, what we've done also, I think it's on a kind of more qualitative basis, it's looking back and seeing, have we helped people live within planetary boundaries? Have we revolutionized the food industry, transformed it, helped people think about food differently, think about their climate impact differently and how they measure it and how they make sure it's within those planetary boundaries? So it's all on, have we created that kind of green behavioral mindset shift that is going to continue to allow us to live within planetary boundaries without um, us being at risk of just continuing the cycle again, going back into overconsumption and having to have another kind of uh, period like this again. Yeah, it'll be all around, can we actually change consumer behaviour? Sorry, a bit of a ramble, but... Uh, no, no, it, it actually, it's, it sparks something in my mind. I heard, on a, I heard earlier this week that 33% of food uh, in stores, and I don't know if it counts for restaurants, but 33% uh, goes to waste. Yeah. So tackling that alone would have a huge impact on the environment i imagine yeah no 100 like the waste issue is a whole it's a whole different minefield as well and um, there's a lot that consumers can do on their side to improve it then there's a lot the industry can do as well on their side to help reuse what we traditionally look as waste products but think of them as just being able to upcycle them or think of them as more resources to create something else and there's lots of opportunity in food waste as well and uh, yeah I suppose we're looking at one uh, angle of the challenge for the food system, which is more on the consumption side. Yeah, I know that Avoca is based actually probably halfway between where I'm sitting and you're sitting right now, Avoca in Dunboyne or Clonee. They, mm-hmm. at the end of their shifts, someone comes along 
uh, and collects all the food waste and gives it to the homeless. So that's a nice way to make sure that it doesn't go completely to waste. Final, final question for you is, and it came from a conversation I had earlier on in the week. Do you have any tricks that you've discovered to keep you focused or productive in a busy day? In a busy day, one thing I think it freaks out a few people, but is that I'm a chronic napper. That I love napping and that kind of helps me reset. If I feel overwhelmed during the day or if I'm wrecked, I'll actually stick on a timer uh, for anywhere between kind of six to 12 minutes and I'll just close my eyes and <laughs> surprise how quick I can fall asleep. Uh, my friends, my family, my girlfriend, they're all, they all, always laugh. Like I can fall asleep within kind of three to four minutes if I need to. And, and even if I don't fall asleep, I think just closing my eyes and just letting everything be quiet for a couple of minutes and being still, I just feel like I'm restarting my day and I reboot. So it's a bit of a weird one. And it was a weird one when I used to do it in the office before we were working at home. But it's a bit more kosher to do it at home. Yeah, I'm definitely jealous that you can do that because any time, and I rarely take a nap, probably once every six years, any time I've attempted to do it, I always feel worse on the other end of the nap than I do. So I just say... Uh, it's max six hours I'll go to bed just power through the next six hours or get a coffee so I'm definitely jealous that you can do that (laughs) all right we'll leave it there if anybody wants to uh, download the app I know it's available on iOS I'm assuming it's available on Android as well yeah it's on the Google Play Store yeah amazing I'll leave a link to both of them your website and your LinkedIn page thank you very much for being my guest today Ahmed it's been a pleasure Cheers. Thanks a million, Rian. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed our conversation. Beautiful morning. Get a sun in my morning, babe.